All right, let's get our Bibles, and uh, you can open your Bibles or uh, illuminate your faces with your Bibles, uh, and let's get to Genesis chapter 1. And uh, while you're turning there, and you can also turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, because we're going to be there as well for just a little bit. Um, I want to say just a, a thanks to my friend Josh Reich, who's a church planner in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, he's coming out with a new book, which he asked me to endorse, and some of his book deals with the topic I'm going to talk about, so he let me use a little bit of his research. I appreciate that. Um, this morning, we are continuing our series on margin, and I'm going to tackle a topic that, uh, quite honestly, uh, even angels fear to tread. Um, as I was get, really getting into this topic and studying it, I went, oh my goodness, uh, this is going to be a little bit more um, sensitive than I actually thought. Um, and so I'm going into this with a, a bit of fear and trepidation. But this is a topic that is rarely ever addressed in the church. Matter of fact, outside of me speaking about it at a breakout, at a conference, or a single point in a four-point message somewhere else along the line, I have, I have never done a whole message on this topic. Uh, matter of fact, I don't even know if I've ever heard a message on this topic, and it's really difficult to find stuff about this uh, out there in the church world. However, I want you to know I'm, I'm extremely passionate about this topic, and I believe it's an, an important issue not only in our culture, but it's an important issue inside the church. And we're going to talk this morning about the issue of physical healthiness. Now, if you were to ask most people that live in the United States, um, what is the one thing that you would change about yourself, their answer would probably be connected to something about their physical appearance. According to the Journal of, of Clinical Psychology, two of the top five New Year's resolutions every year have to do with weight and body image. Number one is to lose weight. Number five is to stay healthy and fit. Now, I want to give you a couple stats from the United States Center for Disease and Control and Prevention and then also the United States Center for Health and Human Services. 35% of Americans right now are obese. They're considered obese by whatever standards those organizations have set. Um, by 2030, that projection is going to be, it's going to increase to 42%. That means there will be an additional 32 million people in our country that are considered obese. There's also an additional 30% of our population that are considered overweight. The medical costs in our country for obesity are now over 146 million each year. One out of three children in the United States are either considered overweight or obese. And I could continue on with those stats, but I'm going to leave it right there. Um, many of you know that uh, in my first two years of college, I was a, a college baseball player and uh, totally in shape, loved to work out, loved to run. My first nine years of student uh, ministry, I, as Paul mentioned, I was a student pastor and I was constantly running, you know, with students pick up basketball games or, you know, football games, you know, tackle, touch, whatever we did. And, and, and I was also a community coach at two different high schools over that nine-year period. So it wasn't too hard for me to stay in shape. However, something happened to me and my family in 1997. Uh, I moved to Dallas, Georgia, and my wife and I and our little family uh, of three started a church called Westridge, which you're here today. And um, for the first time in my life, I started having health issues. Because of a schedule that was completely out of control, a work ethic that was extremely unhealthy, expectations that I put on myself that were uh, unrealistic, and also poor 
eating and exercise habits, I began to get physically unhealthy. As a matter of fact, before we ever started the church, uh, we had a little apartment in Lithia Springs, and about 2 o'clock in the morning, Amy and I were in the emergency room in Douglasville, um, and I had wires all over my chest. Uh, they were checking me for a heart attack. And after a while, they finally pulled them all off and said, listen, you are having major stress and you had Cajun food for lunch. <laughs> True story. Somewhere in the first two years of uh, while we were here, I went to my doctor for a physical and he sat me down and he was concerned about my weight and also concerned because my cholesterol was too high. Somewhere in the first four or five years of being here, uh, I developed acid reflux, which, thank God, uh, God has healed me of that. But also somewhere in the first 10 years, because of stress, I developed insomnia, which I'm still working through. Um, two times in the last 18 years of being here, I've had a doctor tell me that my weight was in the overweight category, and both of those times followed major stress events. One, first, uh, the, the, the starting of a church, and the other one, Uh, when I lost my dad in 2004. Now listen, in 18 years, honestly, I have been up and down with my weight. I've been up and down with my health. I've tried lots and lots of things. I have, uh, as a result of not only my physical health, but spiritual things, I have fasted many times and lost weight only to put the weight back on. I've done P90X. I've done uh, Body for Life, Tybo, Insanity. I've had gym memberships. I got into cycling in the early 2000s. That thing is hung on my wall that beautiful bike uh, for the last few years collecting cobwebs. I have a Bowflex downstairs, a treadmill in my basement. I've done the Daniel Fast. I've juiced on and off. Uh, Amy and I have bought the healthy wheat grinding machine and ground our own wheat. Uh, we've done the alkaline water thing. We've had, we're regulars at a great chiropractor. And now I'm into running and paddleboarding. Um, I tell you all that to say that over the last 18 years of my life, physical healthiness and not just my weight... But everything that it encompasses has been a challenge for me. It has been a journey of ups and downs for me. And I know for many of you, it has been the same issue. Matter of fact, most of us, if we were honest, would say there are things about our bodies that we would change right now. We would would change what we read on the scale. We would change our facial facial features. We would change hair loss. Um, We would change... um, you know, too much of something or not enough of something. And for lots and lots of money, you can do almost all of that today. So here's a question, because we're doing a series on margin. What in the world does any of this have to do with margin? Well, so much of the issue of physical healthiness and the choices that we make every single day revolve around the issue of image. Now, you might think I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I want you to stay with me for just a moment. Something like stress can wreak havoc on your physical healthiness because it can cause us to overeat. It can create sleep issues. It can drive up our blood pressure. It can affect the healthiness of our heart. I mean, I could go on and on. But oftentimes, the stress we deal with is rooted in our need to portray the right image, which is rooted in pride or fear. And all of those things suck the margin out of our lives because we become obsessed with that. Some of you are workaholics. Your self-worth is connected to your work and how you perform at your job. You, you feel this need to outperform everyone and outwork everyone. And while that is admirable, it can lead to unhealthiness in, in many arenas, specifically physical unhealthiness. And all of that sucks the margin out of your life, so much that it is rooted in the topic of image, which again is rooted in pride and fear. Now, 
Think of how much margin gets sucked out of our lives about worrying about our image. We are a culture that is obsessed with image. And it's, it's like the more time we spend focusing on promoting image or fixing image or worrying about image, the more unhappy we become and the more stressed out we become. I want you to listen to these stats from this website, dosomething.org, regarding body image. 20 years ago, female models uh, weighed 8% less than the average woman. Today, they weigh 23% less than the average woman. The average woman in the United States is 5 foot 4 inches, 140 pounds. The average model is 5 foot 11 inches, 117 pounds. 7% of 12th grade males use steroids to become more muscular. One out of four college-aged women have an eating disorder. It is estimated that 40 to 50% of American women are trying to lose weight at any point in time. There was a study done that found that 53% of 13-year-old girls are unhappy with their bodies. And that number grows to 78% by the time that girl reaches the age of 17. author Brene Brown. She's a psychologist at the University of Houston. She's an expert on the issues of shame and unworthiness, those, those emotions. She says the number one shame trigger for women is body image and appearance. And here's how she defines shame. Shame is the intensely, intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. The difference between What we see on TV or the internet or in movies or in magazines has led so many people just to feel like, listen, we just don't, we just don't match up. And yet think of how much time we spend trying in healthy ways to unhealthy ways to get there. My, my friend Josh Wright in his, in his book, Breathing Room says, here's the reality. We are striving for image rather than reality. Our culture and our minds have created an impossible ideal when it comes to our bodies and how we see ourselves. I mean, how many of us stand in the mirror, in front of a mirror, and we just feel inferior? We either think we're too fat or we're too skinny or we feel like we aren't handsome enough or we aren't, uh, you know, more beautiful. Or we, we just, we, com- we analyze ourselves. And so many of us play the comparison game. We compare our bodies. We compare our careers. We compare our lives to other people. And then you put social media into the mix, and it just puts the comparison game on speed. You think of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and now we've got this crazy thing called Periscope. And while they all have their benefits c- connecting us to each other, they've also added to our insecurities and our unhealthy self-images. And one of the biggest lies that we often believe is that if we would just get in shape or if we could just get healthy that our insecurities would go away. We, we would stop comparing ourselves to others. We would, we would stop being jealous or, of other people. But that doesn't happen, does it? If your goal when it comes to physical health is to portray a certain image, I want you to know that getting to an ideal weight will never be enough. Being more beautiful or having bigger muscles will never be enough. If portraying a certain image will all, is everything to you, then you will always be chasing that image. You'll be chasing a certain weight or a certain body type or a certain style, and that is a hard way to live, and it sucks the margin right out of your life. That pursuit is going to just continue to make you unhappy. So then why should I even pursue physical healthiness? I mean, what's the big deal? Why are we even talking about this? Well, here's where the spiritual comes in. What does physical healthiness have to do with my spiritual life? Well, 
The spiritual answers the why. God's Word actually gives us a solid reason for the, for, the, for the pursuit for physical healthiness. And it's a reason that will help you to make permanent changes that you can sustain for a lifestyle. Changes that will go well beyond your two-week resolution at the beginning of a new year that we struggle to even get beyond, you know, just two weeks or a month. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, uh, we see a story it's a real, the real story of the creation of all things. And in this passage, we see the reason for our existence. We see God's plan for you and me. And in verse 1, here's what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The, uh, theologian D.A. Carson says this. If you can accept Genesis 1-1, the very first verse in the Bible, then you really won't have any trouble believing the rest of the Bible. That verse not only sets the stage for the rest of the Bible, but it sets the stage for everything that we're about to learn and everything that you're about to learn in the rest of the Bible. As you read through Genesis 1, here's what you see. You see this pattern of God creating something out of nothing. Now, in our culture, uh, being created, creation, the existence means that something is material. Something is there. Something is taking up space. You can actually measure it. You can experience it. When the book of Genesis was written in the ancient world of uh, Mesopotamia, if something existed, if it, it, had, it actually had a role to play. If something was created, it had a purpose. It wasn't accidental. And one of the problems that we struggle with with our bodies and finding contentment as it relates to body image is that we don't believe that we were created with a purpose. We don't believe that we were created with an actual role to play. We get frustrated with our nose size or with our hairline or our height or the size of our feet or uh, the natural size of our body, and yet what God created was not accidental. Now check this out, Genesis 1 verse 26. Then God said, let us, and when he says let us, he's including all three of God, the, the, the Son, and the Spirit. All of them were together in this. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and then let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The God of the universe created us in his image. Now, remember when it says created, what the writer of Genesis is saying here is that we were created with purpose. There is a reason for our existence. Now, when you look at the word image, and you see it several times there, image refers to the essence of something. You also see the word likeness. Likeness is connected to substance, resembling something. You probably heard somewhere along the line someone tell you when you were growing up that you were the spitting image of your father or the spitting image of your mother. Well, in Scripture, when the word body or image is used, it refers to the whole person, body, soul, mind, and strength. We were created in the image and in the likeness of God. When we think of body and image, oftentimes we, we, we are too narrow in our thinking, and this narrowness keeps us from feeling fulfilled just as we are. Now, check this out. When God created things in Genesis 1, Everything he created, he said, let there be. However, when he created man, when he created Adam and Eve, here's what he said, let us. In other words, his creation of man, his creation of us was very personal. 
It's very purposeful. It's incredibly caring. Make no mistake, you are a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. Josh Reich says, this might be hard to believe, but the God of the universe personally created you with care and uh, purpose. The closeness of God to us in creation is astounding and too often missed. Now, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. There's a passage that Christians love to quote when it comes to things like smoking or drinking when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But listen, the implications are much, much bigger than that. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and he says this in verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will, and this is so important, I will not be dominated by anything. And then he says in verse 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have uh, from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. And then he says, so glorify God in your body. Now in verse 12, Paul mentions the word dominated. And here's the implication. What dominates you? I want you to think about that for a moment. What dominates you? Now for many people, food dominates them. We don't view food as fuel. We view it as an escape. For many people, food is what they turn to when they are stressed out or, or when their life is out of control or how, when they need comfort. How many of you have heard of comfort food? For many people, food is an addiction. I want you to think about the last time that you just felt really stressed out or you felt over-anxious or you felt like your life was out of control. I want you to picture that moment for just a moment. What did you do at that moment? Chances are, if food is an issue for you, you grab something to eat. You went to ice cream, or you went to pizza. For me, chips. You give me some Doritos, Pringles, or Doritos, I'm in. Especially if I'm stressed out. That's my go-to stress food. If food is your issue, okay, then it dominates you. It literally has become your master. But Paul says something crucial in this passage. He tells us, that he tells us what our bodies are. Now remember what we learned in Genesis 1. We were created with a purpose. There's a reason for our existence. Paul says that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit bought with a price. Jesus Christ gave his life for you. And if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 12 through 20 very closely, you'll see this whole list of things that can destroy your body. And Paul tells us that we were freed from these things by the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, food is listed as something that can destroy your body in this passage. In other words, food is a spiritual issue. Our physical health is a spiritual issue. Now, again, we like to use these verses oftentimes to talk about you know, sexual immorality or don't smoke or don't drink too much or, you know, as oftentimes while we're doing that, we're eating a Big Mac or we're going for our second piece of cake. By the way, Big Mac is my go-to burger. I just want you to know that. The whole issue is one that the church, we don't talk about this. Matter of fact, it's one that the church for years and years, we just avoid this issue, but it's a significant issue. I remember the very first time outside of a doctor that I actually paid, I remember the very first time that someone had the guts to say something to me about my weight. I was in Cuba. It was in 2003. My dad was with me. Some of you were on that trip. And I had a Cuban doctor walk up to me and in Spanish, 
well, not in Spanish. He, he grabbed my, my stomach, these things over here, okay? Amor, love. He grabbed these things, and in Spanish, he told someone I was fat. And I said, what did he just say? And my dad had a very similar experience, and it was like, I need to get serious about this. My dad actually came home and lost 75 pounds that next year. He worked really hard the year before he died. I said at the beginning, listen, this is a sensitive issue in the church world. This is a very sensitive issue. Until someone has a heart attack or has diabetes or some other health issue, no one will say anything to you the, the fact that maybe you're overweight because either they're afraid or they don't see this as a possible sin issue. But as we just read, food can be a sin. We see this word gluttony throughout the Bible. And it's, it, gluttony is overdoing it, being in over-access with food. It's a sin. And the reason you don't hear this is because there are a lot of pastors that are oftentimes the worst offenders. Now listen to this. 2001 Pew and Pulpit study found that 76% of clergy, pastors, are overweight or obese compared to 61% of the general population. Now why is that the case? Well, again, helping people to get healthy, especially people. It's one of my passions in life, all right? But pastors typically don't do well at controlling their schedules when it comes to office hours and sleep and exercise. Why? Well, we go back to the idea of image. We want people to think that we are caring. And so we have a hard time saying no, and oftentimes we neglect our exercise, we neglect the right food, we neglect sleep, we neglect things because we want to portray the right image that we care. And I can tell you that with all truthfulness. Pastors typically make poor choices when they eat, and oftentimes they eat out a lot because they're not at home a lot. Now, I want you to listen to this study. This is crazy. Listen to this study from 2006. Purdue University did a study and found that Christians are by far the heaviest of all religion groups, led by the Baptist, which are at 30%. 30 the Baptists have a 30% obesity rate compared to Jews at 1%, Buddhists and Hindus at 0.7%, which prompted the lead researcher, Ken Ferrero, to say America is becoming a nation of gluttony and obesity, and the church and churches are a feeding ground for, a prop for this problem. Listen. There are a few more studies like this. I, I just decided I'm not going to go into all that. I could keep telling you about studies just like that. It's incredible. And you say, how could that be? How in the world could there be more physically unhealthy people inside the church than outside the church? Well, part of it is, okay, we like to fellowship. Now, for those of you who are outside the church world, fellowship means we like to hang out. That's a church word. And because, here's the deal, because we've been taught in, you know, in the idea of church fellowship that fellowship should never be, you know, include alcohol or cards or dancing or anything like that, we've turned to food. How many of you have ever been to a church fellowship, like a potluck dinner after church deal? I mean, fried chicken's usually the main culprit, and then they bring everything else. It's got, I mean, it's a feast. I love those things, by the way. All right? The other reason we don't like to talk about this, we don't talk it, we don't talk in the church world about food as an addiction or a sin or exercise or even we don't talk about body issue is because it's, it's awkward. It's just an awkward thing. Um, and we don't think that food and physical healthiness is a spiritual issue. But the bottom line, it is a spiritual issue. And oftentimes when you bring up the issue of weight or body image or, or food as an addiction, everyone immediately thinks that I'm speaking to a certain group of individuals. But honestly, this issue is an issue that impacts all of us. 
It's not just overeating or being overweight or the word obese or whatever. It's people who are stressed out or can't bring proper uh, margin to their life or boundaries to their life with their work schedule, all of that stuff. Listen, and it includes pastors and everyone sitting in the chairs or in the pews this morning. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to share some of my own struggles with you earlier. Listen, I know that this is a highly sensitive issue. Before I gave this message to you, I ran this by my wife. She massaged some of the words that I used this morning. But it's so important. And I want you to hear this with all my heart. Here's what I want for you. I want you to feel better about yourself physically. Because it impacts not only the way you think emotionally, the way that you feel spiritually, but it impacts how you relate to your family. It impacts everything about you. And I want you to gain more than anything. I want you to gain the freedom that Jesus offers you in this area of your life. I want you to experience the life that Jesus promised. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And for so many of you in this area of your life, physical healthiness, Satan has been killing you, destroying you, and trying to take you out. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I know that too often we think that that verse applies only to eternal life or to heaven. But Jesus offers abundant life to us here on this earth. And it involves what we put in our bodies. How we think about our bodies. How we manage the margin in our lives. Now here's one of my concerns with this talk. I don't want you to run out of here, first of all, and just feel like I beat you up. Uh, I I, I care so much about you. This issue is, is important to me. And I want you to know, I mean, I have, Amy and I both have prayed about this morning. Matter of fact, I wish that we would have done the emotional, healthy, uh, feel-good service this morning instead of uh, the, last week, instead of whatever, uh, flip-flopped them because it's my birthday and many of you are going to walk. You, you came in here loving me and you're going to walk out of here going, I can't stand that guy. Um, but also, here's the deal. I don't want you to run out and just jump into the latest diet fad or the latest workout program or go home and just you know, get rid of everything in your refrigerator or get rid of everything in your pantry without understanding this most important thing. Food, body image. Your health is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. It might be a sin issue that you need to confess before you do anything else. You can't make big health changes without first making a big heart change. And that's the first and most important step. God wants to change your heart and bring healing to your life when it comes to the issue of physical health. And there's things, honestly, that I am working on right now when it comes to this issue. So beyond that, what practical steps can I take to get physically healthy? Here we go. Number one, incorporate healthiness into your schedule. That is crucial. If it's not on your calendar, I promise you, it's probably not going to happen. If getting healthy means running, going to the gym, or walking, it just needs to be on your schedule, just like you would put a, a regular doctor or dentist appointment. It, just, it has to be there. Otherwise, you'll sacrifice it. It's easy to do. Number two, pick a plan that fits you and stick with it. It doesn't matter whether it's P90X or CrossFit or Zumba or yoga or riding a bike or running. Just pick something that you like to do and stick with it. A few years ago, as you know, I got very serious about running, and I know all about running. People come up to me and go, running's going to kill your knees. It's going to hurt your back. It's going to hurt your Achilles. I know all of those things. All of those things hurt on my body at certain times. But you know what? I love it. It's therapeutic for me. 
Now, there are two programs I, that we actually, I challenged our church to get physically healthy during my very first message of the year, this year. And some of you took me up on it. And there are two programs that we started at the first of the year. One is called Run for God. The other one's called Winning My Race. And you can go on our website. You can get in, involved in either one of those. And Rodney Hunt, our pastor of care, sent me some of the testimonials. And some of you have made major strides in getting healthy. And I'm so proud of you. I mean, I, one of the ladies who, who leads Run For My Race came up to me, and she shared some of her testimony. And it's just unbelievable, the strides that she's making, how good she feels. Number three, set goals that are realistic and, and attainable. Listen, set some achievable goals and then go from there. Once you've achieved a goal, set another one. Over the past few years, I, I've set goals to, to run certain distances. And as you know, in March, I ran my very first half marathon. Now, trust me, I did not set any records when I, when I did that, but, but I finished it, and that was my goal. And now I'm setting some new goals. My, my new goal is to run another half marathon and actually feel better after I'm done doing it. But I remember when I got into running, I mean, I couldn't run two miles without just being totally feeling like I was going to fall over. But I started, and I just kept taking little steps until I got to where I wanted to be, and I'm continuing to go on. Listen, too many set unachievable goals, and then they just get frustrated, and they give up. Set goals that are realistic. Little, see, be able to see the finish line. And, and, then, and then once you get there, set another goal beyond it. Just take another step. Number four, eat health, eating healthy is more important than exercise. But both are important. Now, this is something that I've constantly struggled with over the years. I would exercise, but I would never completely change my eating. Listen, you can work out all you want. You can... But if you go home every night and eat junk food or you're continuously throwing down a six-pack every weekend, you're not going to see a difference and you're not going to feel a difference. Over the last few years, I've started studying food because I want to know what kind of fuel I'm putting in my body and I want to know how it impacts me. A few years ago, my cholesterol got too high and my doctor prescribed some pills that I didn't want to take and I just told him I'm going to do something else here. took the prescription, but I started to juice and I got my cholesterol under control. Listen, there's power in healthy food. I limit myself to one soft drink a week. No more diet drinks because there's poison in there. I drink a lot more water. I give myself one or two cheat moments a week. And normally once I have that cheat moment, I physically, like, I'm, ugh, I feel. But, but you do that so it's not unrealistic. But according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it matters what you put into your body. It impacts your sleep. It impacts your mind, it impacts your health, it impacts your relationships, it impacts your relationship with God. Number five, physical healthiness is a lifestyle switch. Being healthy is a lifetime decision. My whole reasons for wanting to lose weight a few years ago were spiritual decisions. But more than anything, I, I just wanted to feel better. I wanted, I wanted to think more clearly, I wanted to have more energy, I wanted to be healthy for Amy and for Taylor and for Zachary. But I made a decision a couple years ago. As, as I, listen, I knew I was getting ready to, to, you know, a couple years ago, 50 was in my sight, and here I am one day past 50. I changed my goals with some things I was doing in my life. I remember the goals that I set when I was in my 30s were no longer my goals. Goals in 40s, I've moved beyond those. Part of my goal as I move into this next half century of my life, and I'm planning on a whole half century, I want you to know that. I want to finish well. I want to finish well. And I realized that being physically healthy was a big part of that. And then finally, listen. Get healthy to honor God and to bring him glory. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, So glorify God in your body. 
We are his image bearers. Our bodies are earthly temples where God's Holy Spirit has chosen to live. God has created us for a purpose. There is a reason for our existence. He has created you personally with care. And those of you that are, maybe you're obsessed with body image and how you look, your nose, your height, your ears, your hair, too much of this, not enough of that, listen, and you're just consumed with those things to where it just sucks the margin out of your life, I want to challenge you to give that to God this morning and realize that he made no mistakes when he created you. You're a masterpiece. You're his workmanship. But for all of us, let's make sure we honor him with our whole, with our whole self, with our whole person, body, soul, mind, strength. Let's give the Holy Spirit a very healthy place to express himself through our lives. I know some, for some of you, this is overwhelming. This has been a lifetime for you. And I want you to know when I, I mean, going into this message, my heart was, a, again, that you would not walk out of here, you know, with your tail between your legs. I want you to walk out of here with hope, knowing that the God of the universe if he wants this for you, he's willing to partner with you along this journey. But here's the goal. Just take one step. And once you cross that, once you achieve that goal, take another step. And just remember this. This is a spiritual issue. That was the, that was the big change for me. When I finally got to the place where I said, whoa, this is a spiritual issue, then I was able to sustain it. God wants to give you life. And he wants to give you life more abundant. And part of that is all about your physical healthiness. Let's bow our heads. Um, for some of you, uh, when it comes to this issue, here's where I want you to be. I mentioned a moment ago, this is a heart issue. And when we realize it's a heart issue, then we can put our hearts before God and say, God, this is a heart issue. This is a spiritual issue for me. And for some of you, that's where you have to begin. And it's not all, maybe it's not all about food, but it's about, maybe it's more even about your stress or, or being a workaholic or how you manage the time that God has given you. And for right now, just say, Lord, this is my heart. And some of you may need to confess this before God. Lord, I have, this is where I've messed up. And I want to invite you into this area of my life because it is a spiritual issue. And I know that you have life for me, a life more abundant. And I'm going to take a step with your help. With your, with your help. Father, would you engage every person in this room? Lord, as we pursue this whole idea of physical healthiness, not only to bring more margin into our lives, but Lord, to tackle it, understanding that this is a spiritual issue. May you partner with us. May we realize, Lord, that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that we've been created in your image, in your likeness, created with a purpose. There's a reason for our existence. And so may we take care of these bodies that you've given us and in our soul and our spirit and our mind as well. And we're so grateful, Lord, you've not called us to do anything where you don't promise to help us. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.